This episode is brought to you by Merrick Pet Care. We have a dog. Her name is Sasha. She's almost four. She's a standard poodle. She's got curly, fluffy, soft black hair, and she's very adorable. And she's a part of our family, and we care a lot about taking good care of her. And that includes feeding her high-quality dog food like Merrick's. Founded in Hereford, Texas, Merrick has been crafting high-quality dog food for over 30 years. Real is Merrick's recipe. They always use deboned meat, fish, or poultry as the number one ingredient. Merrick creates home-style recipes like Real Texas Beef and Sweet Potato or Grammy's Pot Pie, so you can feel good about what you're feeding your pet. I mean, you know, you come home from being out, and your dog is there to greet you, and, like, that's one of the best things about having a pet, you know? You come home, the dog's happy to see you, and they're hungry. And you want to reciprocate that good feeling they give you when you walk in the door, you want to give to them in the form of some high-quality food. So check out Merrick online or in your local pet store and look for their new packaging with real ingredients shown on the bag and inside it. This episode contains explicit language. I've had like um guys tell me like on a first day, oh, there's like spinach like right in your like between your teeth, and it was so mortifying for me. You oh, know, see that I, I, I'm a big proponent. I will tell a total stranger that they have something stuck in their no, teeth. I, I feel like you always want to tell people. It's just totally, a, it's a nice thing to do to tell someone. No, I never feel any like I like I'm grateful to the other person. I'm just so deeply ashamed of myself. <laughs> <laughs> This is The Sporkful. It's not for foodies, it's for eaters. I'm Dan Pashman. Each week on our show, we obsess about food to learn more about people. This week, we are taking your calls. We're going to take on some food-related disputes. We're going to listen to your hot takes. We're going to solve your problems, or try, at least. But I I can't do that on my own, okay? I need help. So I've enlisted two opinionated, food-obsessed folks to help. They're also two past Sporkful guests. And I'm just going to say it. Two leading women of letters, two of our country's best writers. I'll say, you don't have to. We have Samantha Irby. Her most recent book is Quietly Hostile. She's also a writer and producer on the Sex and the City reboot, and just like that. Coming to us from Kalamazoo, Michigan. Hey, Sam. Hey, Dan. And I do agree that we are both the most talented writers. (laughs) (laughs) And right here alongside me here in the studio in New York is New Yorker staff writer Jai Young Fan. Hey, Jai Young. Hi, Dan, and I'm going to have to second that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, mostly for Sam. Mostly for Sam. Can I half second that? I, uh, you can each say it for the other. How's that? Yes. All right. Yeah. Um, now, before we get to our calls, I, I want to catch up with both of you because it's been a while since we've had you on the show. Sam, food's a big part of your work. Yes. Um, in, in your new book, Quietly Hostile, you have a whole essay about how you're an amazing guest at a party. Oh, Yes. I am the perfect party guest. Why? I will behave, which is like number one, right? I'm not going to tear up your house, not going to fight. That seems like a low Um, bar, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) But also, like, I will sample your food, and not everybody does that, right? Like, some people go to parties and they're like, oh, you made this. I won't eat it, but I will try it. I will not dress up too nice so you can be the star. <laughs> uh, and I will, I'll stay late to help clean up and also like eat all the leftover shards of chips and crackers that people left behind. So you, you, you sort of clean up by vacuuming, by eating. <laughs> well, okay, that makes me sound like, uh, I don't know what, <laughs> but I will. Yeah, that's sort of my reward for helping to clean up. But now, Sam, and you've talked uh, and written a lot about the fact that you have uh, 
uh, a stomach that doesn't always cooperate. Uh-huh. As a person who lives with digestive issues and Crohn's disease, as you've talked about, when you go to someone else's house and you're saying you're going to be polite, you're going to eat something, but what if it's something that you know is going to be trouble? Then I will steer clear. But the worst is like, People don't always know exactly what's in things. Right. <laughs> so I have had to leave parties uh, early. <laughs> like, hey, girl, congratulations on the baby or whatever. Uh, goodbye. <laughs> but, um, so, Jai Young, the last time that I saw you, last time we were together, we were fighting our way through a Chinese market in Chinatown on the eve of Lunar New Year. Oh, I recall that. It, it was crowded, and there were a lot of aunties throwing elbows at us. <laughs> I have all your bru- you have so many bruises from that? That was fun. I, I've returned many times, yeah. so um, the, the bruises have, you know, come and gone and <laughs> come and gone again. <laughs> so um, a lot of your writing focuses on China and the Chinese-American experience, but you've also, in the last year or two, written a couple of restaurant reviews. So as a person who isn't like a restaurant critic by trade, how do you approach that? I mean, really, I don't know how else to put this, except that I really think of myself as a food trash can (laughs) rather than a connoisseur, (laughs) which I think offers a unique perspective in the world of food writing, where you have a lot of very educated, very refined uh, tastemakers. Jai Young, a little while back, you posted on Instagram. I love this post that you wrote. Um, if love is an imperceptible kind of surrender, helpless and fierce and rooted in loyalty, as unswerving as it is illogical. Oh, God. Please meet the first loves of my Sichuanese youth. <laughs> Can you tell us, remind us what was in that photo? Yes. Um It's a series of photos of about 15 different kinds of snacks that were really popular. The snacks of my childhood from um, the 80s and 90s. And there were these strange flavored peanuts. That's literally the name of the the snack. White rabbit candy, which I think um, those who frequent Chinatown are, are familiar with. My favorite food in the world, Chinese beef jerky, which you literally can't get in this country. It's priceless. What what makes it special? The jerky that you get in this country usually don't include the gristle. Um, and the Chinese ones, they include um, the fat, the gristle, a little bit of the, the cartilage. And also mm-hmm. they are spiced with Chinese peppercorns that give that mala flavor, that numbing flavor, and they're drenched in Citronese um, peppercorn oil, and um, I'm salivating as I'm describing (laughs) it to you. (laughs) It sounds really good. Beef jerky in the U.S. is is often kind of like portrayed as like a, a, a traveling snack. You know, like these seem yes. like they might might not be quite as good at like shoving the bottom of your purse. <laughs> <laughs> the Chinese have gotten very good. I mean, when I was young, they were they they were in these big packages w- that you couldn't really take with you on the go. But now they've made them into these micro packages that you could shove in the bottom of your purse because they're like one bite. I I think I was really overcome with the richness of the flavors. I mean, how aggressive the flavors are and how different they are from American snacks. I think because I I hadn't had them in decades. There is something about (laughs) your GI tract that is the pathway to your past. 
Um, <laughs> which uh, seems so obvious, but when you experience it and you have not in for me, um, in 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 two decades or more, I felt I was returned to a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, to those moments of first having those snacks. Sam, uh, Jai Young said that uh, the GI tract is a, a pathway to your past. As someone who's written frequently about your own GI tract, <laughs> <laughs> do you have anything Mine to add to that is idea? A, uh, first of all, that was so beautiful when she said that. I was like. <laughs> Yeah, but my GI tract is a pathway to hell. Um, And on the road, we have scar tissue and uh, fissures and hemorrhoids. (laughs) So (laughs) those are the hitchhikers going on this journey with the food. Um, But I do understand that, like, having something... I don't cook, like, soul food. But when I have some that, like, a real old black lady made, <laughs> it does transport me back to being a kid. Now, Jai Young, I believe that you're the only one of us who's not in a long-term relationship. And so you're out on the dating scene. What's going on in the world of food and dating? What do you want to share with us? I've just been going on these terrible dates where, like, they fall, it's fallen apart because of food. <gasps> And there was just literally there was one guy, I mean, like two weeks ago, who was who who said, "I'm very white, and you are very not." I was like, "Do you mean racially or like aesthetically?" And he was like, "In every sense, I think I'm just very white, and you are very, very not." You know, he was like, "I just want egg whites and avocado toast." Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was like, "I don't eat breakfast. I don't eat lunch. I have like egg white." and toast, like, for dinner every day. sad state of Were affairs. you in a restaurant when he said Yes. That? He was uncomfortable slurping his oysters. He, like, had no idea. He ordered bone marrow but had no idea how to eat it. And I think he was horrified by the quantity of the food I was eating because he said, oh, like, oh. usually the girls I, like, go on dates with are, like, very light eaters, and I was not Oh, one. fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so, it was, like, a sociologically interesting for me. And I honestly think I lost him. Like, I, I think he was so appalled. Uh, and Jiang, he lost you. He lost you. Like, come on. Right. Come on. Don't play like that. He, no, you win. Yeah, yeah. Keep moving. Keep moving. Nothing yeah. to see here. Nothing to see here. Uh, well, <laughs> on our first date, my wife picked up her plate and licked it. <laughs> she had like super spicy chilaquiles, and I was like, <gasps> this uh, "Sounds like I hear right? wedding bells." <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, pack up the U-Haul. <laughs> this is the one. <laughs> so there you go. No, Diane. if a person can't like let you eat, like if anyone has anything to say about your food, you just uh-uh. You bye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> All right, Sam and Jai Young, I think we've established that you both love food in your own ways. You both have a lot of opinions about food and life. So I think you're well-equipped to help me help some Sporkful listeners. You ready? Yes. Yes, as ready as I'll ever be. All right, let's go to the phones. Hi, who's this? Hi, my name is Malin, and I'm calling from Lund in Sweden. Hi, Malin. Say hi to my friends Jai Young and Sam. Hi. Hello there. So (laughs) what can we do for you? Well, We've had this disagreement in my family about garlic 
because my mother's partner, for years, he has refused to eat anything with a, even a smidge of garlic in it, even when it doesn't taste like garlic. Like um, when they, he and my mom first got together, my sister cooked your standard pasta sauce, you know, two cloves of garlic, onion, tomato sauce. He sort of covered his face and ran out of the apartment because he couldn't stand the smell of garlic. And this has sort of continued on, like for years, he's refused things like taco seasoning because it says garlic on the package. And then we, after almost two decades of this, I recently found out that it's not because he doesn't like the taste. It's not because he has any sort of allergies or anything. It's because when he was younger and was a man about town, they avoided garlic in case you hooked up. <laughs> and we didn't know this. My mom only found this out like a few months ago and I think she was shocked as well because she sort of started avoiding garlic in all foods and she's a woman who sort of like eats like kimchi because <laughs> she's had to take a lot of medicine and she eats kimchi because it helps her digestive system so this woman who was always like up for trying foods started to veer away from this like oh maybe we shouldn't garlic was banned uh, and since that was the only issue I sort of started whenever I made meals for them just including garlic and not saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> so just to clarify, your mother and this guy have been together for 20 plus years? Almost 20, almost 20 plus years, yeah. Okay. Up until recently, what did you think was the reason? Like, what, what did your mother think? What did you all think was the reason that he didn't eat, like, garlic? I don't know, because the thing is, we have a lot of... Uh, allergies and like intolerances in the family. So I'm quite used to substituting. Do you think he, because uh, you said he doesn't eat garlic or he started not eating garlic mm. when he was dating. Do you think he's faithful to your mom? He hasn't always been in the past. Mm. Mm -hmm. Sam, getting right to the heart of the matter here. <laughs> and so far, um, has he expressed any suspicion about no. the presence of... Um, Garlic? None. Does he have any other problems, like physically? Because, <laughs> no, you know, no, sometimes no. people, like, who don't have anything going on mm -hmm. have to, like, invent a problem so they can fit no, in. No, that, that's the thing. He has a medical condition, so that means he should sort of tweak his diet a little bit to eat a bit more healthier, which is ironically how my mom's been eating since the 80s when I was born. Uh, but he doesn't, classical man, like meat and potatoes and a sauce. It doesn't matter if it came out of a container as long as it's a sauce. And ice cream, uh, that kind of, anything that's a vegetable is suspicious. Um, and my partner's vegan, so we cook a lot of vegan meals. And anything that's vegan, he doesn't touch, except my mom makes um, a cake with marzipan and dark chocolate that is vegan. And that mysteriously disappears from the freezer and he claims it's the dog. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that too. I keep him at it what, like from the time that he came into the picture to today, has his position on garlic been consistent or were there times where he seemed more or less concerned about eating garlic? I'd say he's been pretty consistent. My, my, my the, the theory I was testing is if we could detect a pattern and if there were times when he was avoiding garlic, would that be an indication that he was stepping out? And then when he was not so concerned about eating garlic, maybe that's a time when he's staying closer to home. 
I don't think he's that subtle. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I know. Um, I was giving him too much credit is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> and so when you first learned this information after nearly 20 years, that this, this sort of constant issue of the garlic was for the reason that he said, what about your mom? Uh, how, how did she feel hearing this information for the first time? I don't know exactly how she felt, but I've noticed um, in her behavior, like she, when she gets food, she's like, I'm going to get salad. I want salad for lunch. And if he doesn't want salad, she's like, too bad. Go to the grocery store, get soup. I don't care. And I brought her like, um, as I said, my mom eats kimchi for her stomach. So whenever I'm at the Asian grocery store, I pick up a little bit of that for her and I got a new kind. And I came home and opened the container and she's like, oh, great. They'll have some. And he's he was like, oh, it stinks. And my mom was like, you don't like it? Leave the house. Like, they live separately. Can we find your mom a new boyfriend? <laughs> <laughs> We're working on it. Okay, good. Okay, okay good. But, so this this garlic discovery seems mm-hmm. like really like a catalyzing event. It, 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 it seems like really it's changed the way your mom approaches her whole relationship with her partner. Well, at least her relationship with food around him. Because before, like, I think a lot of women, we sort of accommodate. We're sort of raised to sort of be inviting, make it hot, you know, be a good hostess, like cook your guests or the people in your life what they want to eat. And as I said, we have a lot of allergies and tolerance in the family. And so I sort of naturally have that setting. Oh, this person cannot eat this. How can I tweak what I'm making? Sam, what's your take? This behavior is very much like, you know, when your kid decides to be vegetarian (laughs) for a week you have to change everything you do to satisfy this one person who doesn't even really care that much. They're kind of like getting off on the fact that you have to now like shop at a whole different store to get their tofu or whatever, their seitan. Right. Um, My take is that he's desperate for some kind of attention or recognition or, you know, he wants everyone to worry about him or do things like, go out of their way for him. And for a 70-year-old man, I would never indulge that. I wouldn't do it for a 10-year-old boy. I would just make what I'm going to make, make stuff for my mom, and not worry about him. Jiayang? Yeah, I mean, I I think my position on this has evolved through our conversation. (laughs) And as I've learned more, I was that difficult teenager who wanted to be vegetarian for a year. And I remember a very specific experience of, you know, going with my mother to a friend's house. And that woman just took it upon herself. She was like, I I do not care, like, what this bratty 16-year-old wants. Um, I'm just going to put minced meat in there. She won't be able to detect it. And I did find it absolutely delicious. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I, I, I found out after was um, that there was me in there. And I felt deeply betrayed, even though I very much enjoyed the meal. On the one hand, there is a real childish quality to a 70-year-old man who does not contribute much in the way of cooking or assembling the meal and is making this rather unreasonable demand. On the other hand, I do wonder about 
how, I mean, usually it's an immature person that reacts most violently to even the most trivial kinds of betrayal. If for whatever reason he finds out, it won't be about the garlic. It'll be about like the sense of emotional betrayal and how that might make him suspect how he's being deceived in other parts of his life. The the question to sort of wrap it up on is like, we, I think our, our our general feelings about this guy are all aligned. <laughs> is it okay for Malin to continue to sneak small amounts of garlic into the food that she cooks? Uh, what's your take, Jayang? I think it's ethical to continue using the garlic as long as you're mentally prepared that, you know, by whatever means one day he might find out and to have um, in your head, you know, kind of a script prepared what, I imagine saying is like, listen, I I understand that you might feel kind of betrayed, but I have taken on the responsibility of cooking for you or my mother has for, you know, for the last 20 years. And given the rationality of, you know, the reason behind it, it it seems like a really big ask that you have made. I respect that you, you feel that you've been betrayed, but let's look at the bigger context here. Sam, ethical to continue sneaking garlic in or not? I'm such a, like, punitive, petty asshole. Um, I, like, I don't know about the ethics of sneaking, but it feels, like, a little unethical, you know? But my approach would be, like, hey, I made this, it has garlic in it, you eat it or you don't. If this was a little kid, I mean, I would still try to punish him in some way because I'm terrible, but that would be one thing. But, like, this is a grown man. He can order a pizza. He can heat up a frozen dinner. Do they have those in Sweden? <laughs> he can go to Ikea and eat meatballs, like, whatever. Yeah, the, in Sweden, the dinners stay frozen even after you take them out of the freezer. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on where you are in the country. <laughs> so, Malin, how does all this sound to you? Well, I'm leaning towards a sort of don't ask, don't tell kind of (laughs) policy. Like if I make something and I go, here, this is pasta sauce. And if he doesn't ask. Malin, if you were to give him that speech that Jayang just prepared for you, how do you think he would respond? I think he might just sort of storm out and slam the door and yeah. And would that be (laughs) a good outcome or a bad outcome? I mean, I don't know. We already know what he does when, when you know, I bring kimchi over. So if we want him to leave the house, we'll just go open a jar of kimchi and probably salt. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Malin in Sweden, thank you so much. Good luck with uh, with sneaking some more garlic into your next big family feast. Good luck. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to help solve more of your food disputes, and we'll hear your piping hot food takes. Sam and Jai Young, stick around. Yes. I wouldn't miss it. All right, I'll be right back. And now, a delicious word from our sponsors. In the Pashman household, we're already big fans of Tillamook shredded cheese. In fact, I used it in developing many recipes in my cookbook. And now I'm getting into their ice cream. Tillamook ice cream is made with more cream, so you get smooth and dreamy scoops each time. You may not realize it, but this is why a lot of the store-bought ice cream doesn't taste the same as what you get in, like, in an ice cream parlor. But with Tillamook, they don't skimp on the cream. These people know dairy, okay? 
Tillamook makes a great, rich vanilla ice cream with real crushed vanilla bean seeds. They have an Oregon strawberry, sweet strawberry ice cream with ripe Oregon strawberry pieces. The one that I really love is the mudslide flavor, a smooth chocolate ice cream with a ribbon of rich fudge and chocolatey chips. You want to move the spoon around to get fudgy and chocolatey chips and the ice cream all in the same bite each time, and it's just so, so nice. And like I said, I just trust Tillamook when it comes to dairy. They make over 200 different dairy products, and the brand is farmer-owned and led by dairy experts. Find Tillamook ice cream near you at Tillamook.com. That's T-I-L-L-A-M-O-O-K.com. The weather's warming up. Have you nailed down your summer travel plans yet? I can tell you, we're working on ours and things are booking up, which is why you should be thinking about Norwegian Cruise Line. They have been raising the standards of cruising for more than 55 years. Let me tell you, when you cruise with NCL, you get award-winning specialty restaurants, immersive entertainment, and the most thrilling experiences at sea. Now, look, one of the great things about cruises in general is that you can visit and explore all kinds of different destinations, all with the ease of unpacking your bag just once. But Norwegian Cruise Line, they take cruising to another level and they take food to another level. With no set dining and entertainment times and no formal dress codes, you have the flexibility to design your ideal vacation. They have an incredible variety of truly authentic and fresh dining and bar experiences complemented by exceptional service. Listen to this. There are up to eight complimentary and nine specialty dining options per ship and up to 23 bar and lounge options. Come see why NCL's guest first philosophy means exceptional service and unforgettable memories. Book your next vacation at ncl.com. I enjoy a nice glass of wine, but I don't pretend to be an expert in wine. I usually just want a wine that's high quality, delicious, and not too expensive. And to me, that's Bogle Family Vineyards. And here's the thing about Bogle. This is a third-generation family-owned winery from California that makes exceptional wines for about 10 bucks a bottle. Bogle wines consistently earn Best Buy designations and high ratings from wine enthusiasts. And let me tell you something. The folks at Wine Enthusiast, they drink a lot of wine. They drink a lot of fancy, expensive wine. And yet they still keep giving great ratings to Bogle. And Bogle Vineyards has so many different kinds of wine. Whatever your mood, whatever you're eating, there's a wine for you. they got this great Pinot Grigio that's crisp and fruity, goes well with spicy foods, with fish. They have a classic Chardonnay that's balanced, amazing, with a pork tenderloin or butter chicken. I like to take that Chardonnay and do what Jacques Pepin taught me, a couple of ice cubes in your glass of Bogle. If Jacques Pepin says it's okay, then it's okay. And there's the Bogle Pinot Noir, refined and elegant with bright fruit and about as food-friendly as a red wine can be. You're not going to believe it's only $10. Neither will your friends if you tell them. So pick up a few bottles of Bogle wherever you buy your favorite wines. Please drink responsibly. I just got a very wonderful shipment of goodies from the folks at Reese's. And let me tell you something. These people remain the absolute worldwide leaders in bringing together chocolate and peanut butter. Of course, we know that peanut butter cups remain transcendent. But have you tried the Reese's Sticks? They're wafers with peanut butter in between each wafer, all coated in chocolate. I mean, the combination of sweet chocolate and salty peanut butter just brings people joy, and the folks at Reese's do it better than anyone. So shop Reese's Peanut Butter Cups now at a store near you, found wherever candy is sold. Welcome back to The Sporkful. I'm Dan Pashman. Hey, you're looking for some reading recommendations, some watching and listening recommendations? How about some recipe or eating recommendations? Well, guess what? The Sporkful has a newsletter, and we provide that service to you free of charge every week. It's just one email a week. We'll tell you what the whole Sporkful team is eating and reading, and we'll update you on that week's episode. Plus, if you're on our mailing list, you're automatically entered into just about every contest and giveaway that we do. So get on the list. Sign up at sporkful.com slash newsletter. Go ahead, you can do it right now. Sporkful.com slash newsletter. 
Before we get back to the show, one more quick, important piece of information, which is that the Stitcher app is going away on August 29th. Don't worry. Does not mean the Sporkful is going anywhere. It just means you won't be able to listen to our show on the Stitcher app. So if you were a Stitcher user, head on over to the SiriusXM app or Spotify or Apple Podcasts or one of the many other podcast listening apps out there. The Sporkful remains on all of them. I mean, you do that, please make sure to subscribe or follow us on those apps. Go to our show page and click the heart or the plus or the follow or whatever it is. That way you'll never miss an episode. We're still working on a plan for what will happen to our archive of hundreds of episodes. So stay tuned for more on that down the road. Thank you, as always, for listening. All right, back to the show, and I'm joined once again by writers Sam Irby, whose new book is Quietly Hostile, and New Yorker writer Jai Young Fan. Hello again to both of you. Hello. Great to still be here. So we put the call out to Sporkful listeners asking for hot takes, rapid-fire food disputes. We're going to get to all those, but I understand that each of you also brought in a food hot take for us to discuss and debate. Sam, you want to go first? What do you got? Yes. Mine is kind of a two-in-one My hot take is that almost everything is better when you get it from the store. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm not on Top Chef. I'm not making my own aioli. Uh, I'm not making my own salad dressing. I'm not eating anyone's, like, home canned tomatoes. I love convenience things, like garlic that's already minced. Onions that are already chopped. You, I know, like, you, people, you want food that's already cooked. I mean, no, I like to cook it. I like to put it all together. I'm, I Look, I, like uh, sliced mushrooms. You know, slicing mushrooms to me is an especially tedious task. Correct. I will always buy pre-sliced mushrooms. Yeah. My wife is a, like, you know, she just got a bushel of apricots from her farmer. Like, I mean, come on. And <laughs> she made apricot jam. And I'm sure it's delicious, but I'll never know because I like my jam from the store. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, even if someone, you won't even try her apricot jam? No. Why not? Because I, this is my version of that 70-year-old Swedish man. <laughs> Because I'm just like, you know, how do I know there's no botulism in it? You know what I mean? (laughs) How do I know? (laughs) Jai Young, what about you? I mean, I think I'm going to get hate mail for this, quite frankly. (laughs) But um, I feel feel very strongly about this. Um, I think mayonnaise is just trash. And I've felt this way um, for, for, I know, I know people, I mean, people's jaws. Um, I'm from the Midwest. It's like half my blood is. (laughs) I think what bothers me is that it is in so much ready-made food. I, I literally cannot scrape it off. You know, it's in egg salad, tuna salad, and I have such a strong aversion to it that it just, for me, ruins whatever it is architecturally a part of. And I would just like it to be on the side, for it to be always on the side so that you can choose the quantity and the location. I, I mean, I, I I like mayo a lot, but I I agree. I think this. I think you know there is this sort of strong anti-mayo contingent. I think part of the problem is that a lot of times there's just way too much mayo. I love mayo, but I think it's something that should be used in moderation. In moderation, I think it's phenomenal. 
But the problem is that if you have a couple of unpleasant experiences with something that's just absolutely slathered in mayo, it will really kind of <laughs> scar you. It's like the time that I accidentally drank, you know, warm tequila out of the trunk of a car in high school, and I couldn't drink tequila for 10 years. You know, so that, I, I just wish that people would dial back the mayo a little bit, and I think that you wouldn't be leading to some people having the strong aversion. I mean that 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 but that could be that yeah. could be, that could be right. But that's a strong take, Jai Young, and I w- I expect nothing less from you because the last time you were on the show, you said you didn't like dumplings. Yes, I mean uh, I thought you were gonna I thought you were gonna ask <laughs> me about <laughs> Sam's face. <laughs> <laughs> I just had dumplings yesterday. I just had them what two is hours going ago. On? Yeah. Man, I, I thought you were gonna be my new best friend, but now I don't know. I also hate hamburgers. I I. <laughs> I sourced it to a hatred of ground meat in any form. Oh. That lady who snuck that meat in on you when you were 16. <laughs> That's right. That's what it was. Forever. Yes. Wow, we're making a lot of progress here today. <laughs> yeah, you don't need therapy this week. We got it. All right, well, it's time now to hear some hot takes and food debates from Sporkful listeners. We're going to do this kind of rapid fire style. We're going to listen to what they have to say. We're all going to weigh in. You ready? Yes. All right, here we go. Hi, my name's Kristen. I live in Seattle, and I want to share a hot take with you. I think that peanut butter toast can only be called toast if it had regular butter on top of the toasted bread before you put on the peanut butter. So peanut butter toast needs to be bread, butter, peanut butter. Does she work for the butter lobby? Like, (laughs) come on. The toast is the bread is toasted. It has nothing to do with the butter. So that's the key question, though, Sam. And I I wanted to bring this to the two of you because you're both women of letters. You're both writers. You think about words. And really, that's what this question is. What Kristen seems to be saying here is that it's only toast if it's buttered. No. I literally, I mean, I couldn't even fully wrap my mind around what she was saying because to me, like— Peanut butter, butter, and bread are like close second to mayonnaise for me. (laughs) (laughs) So I couldn't even fully visualize because I um what she was what she was talking about because I have such an aversion to all three of those ingredients and it was making my stomach turn. Jayang, you started off by joking about how you're basically like a human garbage disposal, (laughs) and then you proceeded to tell us that you don't like bread. Ground meat, peanut butter, butter, mayonnaise, or dumplings. I mean, those things taken together is like billions of people are eating those things right now. One of those things. But but I'll play devil's advocate here for a second, Sam. I I think that maybe— Here we go. I think what she's maybe arguing is that there is toasted bread, which is bread that has been placed in a toaster. And then there is a dish called toast, which is toasted bread with butter on it. What do you say? I say no. (laughs) (laughs) All right, next caller. Hey, Dan. This is Aaron calling from Brooklyn. Longtime listener, second-time caller. I love your show, but I'm calling in about a food-related beef that I have with you and your reprehensible smear campaign against spaghetti. Don't get me wrong. I've had cascatelli, and it's amazing, but an exquisitely crafted spaghetti marinara is one of the most magical plates of food a person can consume. In fact, I think spaghetti marinara with or without meatballs is a great barometer of the quality of an Italian restaurant. So, Dan, really, it is deeply unfair of you to trivialize spaghetti, a staple of the global food scene for nearly a millennium, as saying it simply sucks. Although I am totally with you about angel hair. I mean, why would anyone eat that garbage? All right, so when I invented my pasta-shaped cascatelli, I said the spaghetti sucks. 
I, I can respond, but, but like, do either of you have an opinion on spaghetti you'd like to share? I love spaghetti. It's uh, so good. I would choose spaghetti or like thick spaghetti over like a shaped pasta. Shaped pastas to me feel like that's for a child to eat. Although I did eat cascatelli and it was delicious, but I was like, am I seven? What? No, I'm just <laughs> so Dan, I think you're in the wrong. All right, Jai Young. I mean, again, another, I mean, um, unpopular hot take. I don't like noodles that much in general. <gasps> but, uh, what is happening today? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, I think <laughs> you don't see Dan's face right now. He's just well, so overwhelmed <laughs> with emotion. <laughs> with I actually just yeah. talking to your grandmother. No dumplings, I no mean, noodles. Yeah, Jayan's just gonna be over here in the corner with her Sichuan beef jerky <laughs> and nothing else ever. <laughs> yeah, you um, serve her some noodles and she's like, nah, I'm gonna eat this little beef bite from right. the bottom of my purse. <laughs> Um, oh, look, I, but my point, I love all pasta and, uh, I was in Italy last summer and ate some great spaghetti and sure spaghetti's fine. Uh, there, there's no, there's, there's very few pasta shapes that I flat out don't like, but I, my point was that I think spaghetti is overrated and overutilized considering that there are other shapes that I think do all the things that you want pasta to do much better. So I stand by my statement. Sorry, Aaron. <laughs> All right, who's next? Hello, Dan. This is Denali in Aspen, Colorado. My husband, Adam, and I have a dispute about the correct way to eat a pint of ice cream. He likes to obsessively keep the top of the pint flat as he eats it. So he scrapes little shavings of ice cream off the top with his spoon and always keeps it level. But I like to dig around the edges for where the ice cream is a little bit warmer and it gets softer and creamier, that perfect temperature. And so when I eat it, I eat around the edge and I leave sort of a mound in the middle. This is something that we need help settling, Dan. We are both firmly convinced that we have the right way to eat ice cream. Uh, So please help us. Sam, I saw you gesticulating (laughs) passionately during that message. What's your take? Her husband is correct. Um, (laughs) If I ever get a divorce, one of the irreconcilable differences will be that whenever we share a pint of ice cream, I keep a neat level thing at the top. And then when my wife hands it back to me, there's always like a big chunk dug out. And it's, it's obnoxious. It's the worst way to eat ice cream. Husband wins. Well, I just want to clarify. I think there's a there's a difference between tunneling <laughs> through the ice cream to to specifically target large chunks of candy and other fillings versus simply go, going around the perimeter to get the slightly meltier ice cream, which is what I think uh, Denali is describing in this message. Uh, she's still wrong. Okay, <laughs> Jai Young. Um, I, I, I. I complete opposite of Sam on this. I I do not even with a ver- with a loved one. I do not want your spoon going back flattening. To me that is gross. Like it it just contributes to additional saliva. Like because think about all the spooning that's required to like flatten the top. I really yeah. need you to take the ice cream into your bowl. Saliva sharing 
I mean, outside of physical intimacy, just no. Well, uh, look, I, I disagree with both of you. <laughs> <laughs> this is an issue in my household because to me, ice cream just doesn't taste the same out of a bowl. It Correct. ice cream tastes better out of the pine container. Mm-hmm. I will die on that hill. Yes, agreed. Um, my wife doesn't like me sticking my spoon in the pine container and eating straight out of it, and she's brainwashed our kids against me on this front. <laughs> They're, you know, even though the two of them are like wild animals in every other food related respect, <laughs> suddenly they get proper when it's time to eat ice cream. Um, <laughs> But I, I absolutely will go around the perimeter to, because meltier ice cream has more flavor and aroma. And so you go around the perimeter, you get the meltier ice cream. Then you use the back of the spoon to smush the little peak. You get that peak in the center. You then smush oh. it and smear it down to mix it a little bit with the perimeter meltier ice cream to get an entire flat surface of melty ice cream. Remove that surface of meltier ice cream and then go back around the perimeter. So you're always eating the partially melted ice cream. Okay, I get that. Oh, no. No, <laughs> never. Oh, we're never going out for ice cream together. <laughs> All right, we got time for one more. Hi, this is Linda calling from Martha's Vineyard. My husband and I have a great division of labor in the kitchen. I cook and he cleans up. He likes to use the cooktop to let uh, pots and pans dry. And sometimes he uses the counter to spread out containers that need to dry. I, of course, would like to have everything put away. He doesn't want to have to dry some of these things, and he doesn't see any reason why they can't just stay out there until they dry naturally. So uh, we would love to have your input on this issue. Thank you. Bye. All right, full disclosure, that was my mom. So don't say anything messed up no, about your mom. Say Got whatever it. you want, but uh, but I'm just 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 letting you know. I mean, I'm with your dad all the way on this. I mean, my my kitchen has always looked like you know World War Three, and <laughs> I think props to you for getting that thing clean in the first place. You get to choose when and how you put it away. I don't think that she has the right to micromanage. The cleanup process, especially if he's not micromanaging the cooking process. Okay, Sam? Correct. That is exactly what I was going to (laughs) say. He's doing his job. You don't get to tell him how to do it as long as the job is done. (laughs) If dishes sit out overnight, nobody's seeing them. Like, the the ghosts in the house might see them. But who who are you worried about putting them away for? But yeah, it sounds like she's doing her job and trying to boss Mm. him on his job. And that is not a fair division of labor. You don't get to be the supervisor and an employee. So <laughs> go, Dad. Wow, I don't think we've aligned so, like, um, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> so forcefully. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm so glad sorry we came together mom. at the end. <laughs> so, hey, look, we're throwing my dad a bone today. All right, there you go, Dad. You, you should retire. <laughs> <laughs> Go out Dry on top. the dishes however you I, want. I <laughs> Jai Young Fan is a writer at The New Yorker. Thank you so much, Jai Young. Thank you so much for having me. And Samantha Irby is an author of multiple books and TV shows, most notably her new book, Quietly Hostile. Thanks so much, Sam. Thank you for having me. This was a dream. And Sam, I'll send you some more pasta. Jai Young Lun for you. Please do. (laughs) 
Next week on the show, what happens when a whole new Apple comes to market? The University of Washington invested decades and millions of dollars into creating the Cosmic Crisp, but does it live up to the hype? How's it selling these days? We'll find out next week. While you're waiting for that one, don't miss out on our recent episodes about the Pickle King of Greenlawn and the forager Jay Marion in Virginia. This show is produced by me along with senior producer Emma Morgenstern and producer Andres O'Hara. Editing help this week by Nick Liao. Our engineer is Jared O'Connell. With help this week from Casey Holford. Music help from Black Label Music. The Sporkful is a production of Stitcher Studios. Our executive producers are Colin Anderson and Nora Ritchie. Until next time, I'm Dan Pashman. And I'm Natambi Peters, living in Long Beach, California, reminding you to eat more, eat better, and eat more better. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. Just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack.